Welcome to The Frenzy. I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. The Frenzy's mission is to celebrate friendships over 40. We believe that women can thrive through authentic relationships, self-discovery, and spiritual exploration. Our decades-long friendship continues to grow because we are willing to go there and share our truths through life's highs and lows. That's why The Frenzy is here, to hold space for women who are 40 and older, because at this age, your story matters more than ever. I'm Melissa, and I once caught my parents do it. <laughs> as a teenager. Traumatic. Oh, as a teen. As a teenager, fortunately, the room was dark. I just heard the noises, but that was enough. <laughs> Did you open an unlocked door? So I had left to go to our high school football game and I forgot something. So I came back in and uh, was trying to find it, was trying to find them and then heard what they were doing and escaped as quickly as I could. <laughs> now, as an adult, are you proud of them? Well, of course, because <laughs> when I was a teenager, that means they were in their 60s. So they, yeah, they had me later. So yeah, yeah, Get it. Yeah. Get it, Mr. All right. and Mrs. Carter. All right, Bob and Millie <laughs> P, going at it. Yeah, so, yes, yeah. but for a 17-year-old, it was like, oh, la, 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 la. Totally. <laughs> I'm Jen Hobby, and I have to make my bed every day or else I feel like I failed. And I have a total of 10 pillows on my bed. Oh, honey. Now, see, I don't understand the pillow thing. I I, I didn't get that that gene as ten. a woman. I was Why counting ten? them Why? while I was making my bed today. Was, is okay. it part of the bedspread that you purchased? Or are these like mementos that you've kept over time? <laughs> no mementos. <laughs> it's just the way that we are quirky when we sleep. So we have to, my husband and I both have to have a firmer pillow and a softer pillow, like a squishier one to sleep with. So that's four right there. Then we have two big decorative shams, three throw pillows, and then one in front. And that came from our designer who designed our bedroom. So she added an additional one, two, three, four, five, I love five, that you have six. a bedroom designer. That's very fancy. Aren't we so fancy? <laughs> I know. I I've want... never even heard of that. I probably what? need her him a, a bedroom designer i've well just a, a home designer and when we moved into our house that was the first bedroom we did i said because if we don't do our room first we'll never do it right, so i right. wanted it to be a little oasis an escape i like it no 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 judgment here you're in the same now space. there's except for maybe the pillows 10 maybe. pillows 10 yeah i and i'm always so when i stay at someone's house like there what was it i i had a neighbor who had water issues still dealing with that in my because i live in a townhome and so it flooded my basement and so i've had to get the floor redone construction done all that stuff but bless her heart her whole place has had to be redone so anyway long story short when it started um i had to stay at katie's house because you know our son's there so it was fun to have you know me and i stayed in her guest room and the same damn thing. They How had many pillows? Like, I didn't count, but it's about the same. <laughs> and so when I took them off, I told my son, because my son wanted to spend the night with me because I was coming over there, right? And so I'm like, well, honey, you're going to have to remind me. I didn't take a, I should have taken a picture because I was so paranoid <laughs> about how to, to put them back. Uh, Katie probably doesn't even know how to put them back. But I, I yeah, because the, because that room's not used that often. But anyway, it was, it was pristine. I was intimidated. And when I stay in a <laughs> in someone's home, because that's not the first time I've been at a friend's home that had 15,000 pillows on the bed. 
it scares me because you should leave a diagram of exactly what's supposed to go where. Cause I don't, I got my pillows. I don't even have shams on my, I just, I got the plain old, plain old bedspread with nothing else on it. Simple, simple, straightforward, probably boring. Probably not. Your designer would probably, if, if he or she is listening is probably you know, she, cringing right yeah. now. She's probably cringing. Might, yeah. She and hearing the fact, you don't have any pillow. You don't have any shams. You don't have any. Yeah. I used to have stuff like that, but it just, <laughs> I have had that before because it came with the be- the whole bedding. Yeah. And then I, and then I stopped because I guess, yeah, the, the logical, I guess the, I don't know, the uh, feng shui part of me is like, why do I need that? This is extra obstacles for me to get in the bed. Does that make you pragmatic where you're like, I just need to get in the bed and then also I need to make it faster. So we're going to simplify. Mm-hmm. I just think I'm getting old. I think I'm getting old and set in my ways. I think it's the it's it's turning into like that grandparent who was fussy about any change. I don't I don't need a pillow. I don't need a pillow for. I just need to get in bed. I mean, <laughs> all right. Now I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Coming up on today's episode, we are talking about gender identity. It is a topic that you've seen in headlines or at the center of social media debates, but. How much do we really understand about gender identity? What do the terms transgender, non-binary, cisgender, or gender expression actually mean? And so by opening up to new conversations and asking the honest questions, we can grow together as friends. You're going to meet Gabrielle Claiborne, who has been an out and active trans woman since 2010. She's an author, a keynote, and TEDx speaker, and co-founder of Transformation Journeys Worldwide, an inclusive training and consulting firm with a transgender focus. Now, she has served on the executive board of Atlanta Pride, and her work has been featured in Forbes magazine. And our conversation is enlightening, to say the least. Did you know that the Frenzy now has a private Facebook page? It's a safe community to celebrate friendships over 40 and make some new friends too. So if you sign up for our email newsletter, you'll get the invite. Just sign up today at thefrenzy.com. And thanks to listeners who have subscribed to our email list at thefrenzy.com. Three new names are Shannon Berger, Essie McRae, and Karen Bove. Thank you so much. They don't know that we're saying hi to them, giving them a shout out. We just pay attention. Thank you. Love that. Have you subscribed to the Frenzy Podcast yet? Please do. It really helps us out and leave us a review. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to podcasts. And if you enjoy this episode of the Frenzy, please, please share it with a friend because we would love for more people like you to find out about our show. We are going to dive into this conversation with Gabrielle Claiborne coming up. So that's something you definitely want to share with a friend. But first, a message from our sponsor. just heard your friend, neighbor, or colleague has been diagnosed with cancer? Your first instinct is, what can I do? Kick It Pajamas is the answer. Kick It sells pajamas, gowns, and other accessories specifically designed for those going through cancer treatment. Go to kickitpajamas.com and use the code FRENZY to get 10% off. That's kickitpajamas.com, code FRENZY for 10% off. Give the gift of comfort and style. Kick It Pajamas. Let's kick cancer off the planet. Hey, it's Melissa. My family has a history of vascular disease, so I make a point to get my vascular system checked through life line screening each year. The health of your arteries is important and is critical to understand your risk of stroke and cardiovascular disease. With a simple preventative screening, I get peace of mind or early detection so that I can take action. 
Since 1993, Lifeline Screening's highly experienced staff has screened over 10 million people in order to bring awareness to potential health problems for follow-up with your physician. To find out more, go to LifelineScreening.com. That's LifelineScreening.com. And be sure to use the code FRIENDS. That's frenzy without the Y. So that's F-R-I-E-N-D-Z. We are thrilled to introduce you to today's guest, Gabrielle Claiborne. Gabrielle has been an out and active trans woman since 2019. And prior to her transition, she owned and operated successful businesses in the construction industry, overseeing multi-million dollar projects nationwide. Now, today she is a highly respected trans business owner who was honored by the Atlanta Business Chronicle with their 2019 Outstanding Voice for Diversity and Inclusion Award. In 2015, Gabrielle was recognized as Atlanta's best trans activist. And in 2018, she received Emory University's Alum of the Year Pride Award and was chosen by the Georgia Division of the U.S. Small Business Administration as their LGBT Small Business Champion of the Year. She currently serves as co-chair of the Trans Affairs Committee on the City of Atlanta's LGBTQ Mayoral Advisory Board. Along with being a successful entrepreneur, Gabrielle is a TEDx and keynote speaker, a dynamic trainer, and the author of Embrace Your Truth, A Journey of Authenticity. My goodness. I mean, please help us welcome Gabrielle Claiborne to The Frenzy. Gabrielle Claiborne, welcome to The Frenzy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have her here. You know, Gabrielle and I serve on Mayor Atlanta, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, LBGTQ Advisory Board. Did I get all the letters in that we yes, used? You did. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so we, you know, know each other through that and have known each other or of each other for long before that. So I will say that it's a pleasure to have you on because uh, hopefully everybody else will understand how, even though I've been an advocate and somebody who's been in the community for a long time, you have served for me kind of like a, an example of leadership and mentorship. So from a distance, it's a, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you here. Thank you, Melissa. And back at you, you know, I think <laughs> we all inspire each other to show up, you know, to our fullest capacity. So thank you for showing up the way you do. Oh, thank you. All right. So Gabrielle, for our audience who hasn't ever met you before, can you give us a little bit of your background and your story that led you to where you are today? Sure. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> all day. We got all day. I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> well, thank you. So uh, I'll first give you a few intersections of how I show up. Okay. I am uh, I am a parent. I'm actually a grandparent as of last year. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Um, thank you. I don't want to see anybody doing math in your head. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm also an author, uh, a TEDx speaker, a uh, entrepreneur. Um, I was raised uh, in a very conservative faith tradition. I'm a, fifth, a fourth generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. Wow. So uh, growing up in that conservative faith uh, environment uh, uh, invited me to consider uh, something that had been going on in the background of my life for much of my life for almost four decades of my life. And so, you know, I knew something at a very young age that there was something different about me, about me, right? But I didn't have the language, nor did I have the understanding of, you know, what gender diversity meant to an individual from a personal lived perspective. And so I moved through life. I moved through our culture the way culture expected a white cisgender male to move through this culture. I've married a beautiful woman, 
had three amazing kids. I had a very successful vocational career in the construction industry for 30 plus years, was a member uh, and was very involved in a, a prestigious church here in the Atlanta area. So if you looked at my life on the outside, you would say this person has life by the tail. But in reality, I was living a life of turmoil because of this internal gender dilemma, which I still had no words to describe to anyone. But throughout the course of my life, there were a number of invitations that were inviting me and encouraging me to get honest with that aspect of my identity. And it wasn't until I had a, an experience, a life-changing experience at the age of 49, where I met myself for the very first time. I I'm, uh, found uh, an, a, an individual here in the Atlanta area that actually made a living dressing biological meals as women. And so I made an appointment with her. And on the day of the appointment, you know, she worked her magic and you know, after three hours of, you know, doing the makeup and the hair and the accessories and the clothes and the heels and the breast forms and all the things that created that feminine silhouette on me, I saw myself in the mirror for the first time. And it was then I knew that's me. Mm -hmm. So that set me on the course of, uh, of finding, you know, my, my uh, authenticity, stepping more into my authenticity and that turned every aspect of my life upside down. My relationship with my family, my now ex-wife, my parents, my friends in the workplace and even in my spiritual community. So needless to say, I was starting my life over at 50, lost everything and had to rebrand and rebuild from ground up. But I can tell you that over the last 11 years, as I've traveled that journey, I have stepped more into this space of authenticity and what that looks like for me, understanding that authenticity is not a destination. Authenticity is a journey. And the, the more that I continue to show up authentically and embracing my truth, more and more doors open up for me, more and more doors of opportunity open up for me. And, you know, and that led me to uh, co-founding and operating our trans, trans, transgender inclusion and training uh, consulting firm, Transformation Journeys Worldwide. And so now I'm showing up in Fortune 100, 500 companies, spiritual communities, mental and medical health providers, um, municipalities, educational institutions, and educating them on how to interact respectfully with transgender non-conforming and non-binary individuals. And just last year, I post I uh, published my memoir meets self-help book, Embrace Your Truth, A Journey of Authenticity. You know, I am so excited that we have you on today because, you know, again, uh, the frenzy is for women over 40 and their journeys. And that includes trans women. And so I'm so glad that uh, this may be an opportunity for so many people who don't understand what being trans means and the fact that it didn't start for you at 49 and 50, that this has been something that has been inside of you this whole time. You know, last night uh, I was binging undone. It's a, it's a Netflix documentary series that revolves around sports. Yeah. So, so one is about Caitlyn Jenner. I don't know if you've seen this. And I think for a lot of people, Caitlyn Jenner is like their first introduction uh, right. to transgender. Now I may not agree with Caitlyn on a lot of political stuff, but 
it was a fantastic documentary because she said the same thing you said. And it was really based on what she calls her persona of Bruce that won the gold medal in the decathlon in the 1976 Montreal Olympics. For those who may not remember, Bruce mm-hmm. Jenner's the reason Wheaties is who they are because he was right. the first guy to be on the box. And, you know, he was like the best athlete in the world. And to hear her perspective of talking, of walking through all that, the training, everything, and saying it. And she said that she did the documentary because she wanted to give respect to Bruce because she's like, without Bruce, I wouldn't have been able to get to Caitlin. But she talked about how sports was her escape because she didn't want to have to deal with those, what she considered demons at the time inside of her when it came to this gender identity issue. So maybe talk a little bit again, uh, you know, just to, to follow up with the, this has been something uh, that's inside of you from a young age. It's not just some kind of choice you make all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in our training, we talk and, and we share with our audiences that our, our identity is not a choice. You know, this is not a preference that we uh, elect to, you know, pursue at some point in our life. Uh, what this is, it, it is an identity. And so, so the only choice that I get to make, the only choice that any of us get to make is to embrace who we were created to be. And, to, to, you know, I'll be totally transparent. I feel like I was created to be the individual that I am today. It just took me so long to come to terms with, uh, with all the things that I had to come to terms with in order to show up authentically. And I love that you bring this concept of paying homage or uh, honoring who we have always been, Melissa, because, you know, for many trans individuals, a lot of times we, when we do finally make, the, um, the decision to embrace our truth as, uh, as transgender people, a lot of times we want to run from our past. We want to run away from that as if it were not life-meaning or life-giving to us. And so while that misaligned season in our life may not be life-giving, it was uh, life-inviting. <laughs> to us to consider, you know, what are the next steps in our journey of authenticity? And so consequently, I look back over my life and those things, those what I now recognize as invitations that I once perceived as disappointments or failures, I now see them as invitations to get honest with who I've been all along, right? So helping reframe those uh disappointments and failures as invitation has allowed me to move through my past iteration with grace and ease, seeing that as a way to get me to where I got to. So I appreciate you, you bringing that up. And, you know, the one thing I talk about in my TED talk, you know, when it, when it comes to taking those courageous steps and, oh, by the way, we all have to take those courageous steps of authenticity, regardless if you're trans or cisgender or however you identify, we all have to take those courageous steps uh, toward in the direction of our authenticity. And we don't necessarily need to know what our exact destination looks like in order to take those courageous steps. I think oftentimes, as individuals, we get so we get stuck in a place that we don't have we don't have a plan in front of us. And 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 really the plan is to listen to the voice of our heart and take those courageous steps because with each authentic step we take, we get a little stronger. We little we get a little more courageous 
we get less stuck, we get more authentic, and every step unfolds that next step. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. I want to hear a little bit more about when you were a young person, because I think for people we who maybe have, you know, gone along with the gender they were born with, can't quite understand that. What does that feel like? So that's my question for you. What did it feel like when you were a child? It felt like I was misaligned. It felt like that there was something, there was something just a little off with me, right? I remember uh, as a young kid, when my mom had working parents and when both of my parents were out of the house and my sister and I would come home from school, oftentimes we had a babysitter come over and stay with us. And a lot of times those babysitters were female individuals. And, you know, with every babysitter that came over and stayed and, and, and you know, watched us, I would, I would be drawn to, don't, don't fall off your chair, I'd be drawn to her breasts. Why didn't I have breasts like my babysitter? It's not like I was necessarily attracted to them in, in, um, in, a, um, in, an, in an intimate way. It was just like I wanted to have breasts. And so having those, those feelings of being misaligned, you know, why did I not, why was I not able to do the things that I saw my kids, my, my girls and my wife do, you know, go get their nails done you know, have a spa day, even go to bridal showers. Why couldn't I do that? Because those were things that I really longed to experience. And it wasn't until I got honest with myself that I actually started feeling that alignment. Um, you know, for so many years, because of that misalignment I had to deal, and because of the environment that I grew up in, I had to deal with a lot of guilt and shame. And um, it wasn't until years later that I became a, a fan of Brene Brown, where she talks uh, talks about the the difference between guilt and shame. Do I understand how to navigate through all those different dynamics in my own life? And and so you know, as I've taken these courageous steps of uh, of, of correcting that uh, misalignment, if you will, I feel like I I show up more authentically in the world today. And, you know, this is not just something that I had to go through, Jen and Melissa. This is something that my whole family had to go through. Mm -hmm. Because when I came out to them, it was like every every aspect of who they knew me to be was up in the air. And it was like off the table. It's like, I remember, you know, my kids approaching me when I came out to them, when I finally got courageous enough to come out to them, they were saying, we don't even feel like we know you anymore. You know, who are you? Are you still our parent? You know, how do we, how do we uh, celebrate Father's Day? You know, these are some of the conversations. I mean, do I invite you to my wedding? <laughs> you know, this is the conversation that my oldest daughter and I had a few years ago. So everything about the form of our relationship changed. And as a result of that, gracious thankfully to them, they are leaning into, you know, kind of what does this look like moving forward for all of us and having those courageous and oftentimes very difficult conversations of how we move forward with this. Um, so those are just some of the things that happened throughout the course of my transition. 
I'm glad you brought up about the family, uh, you know, having to deal with this too, because this is something, like you said, there's not a lot of resources there. It's getting better. Like you are a resource. This conversation's right. a resource, maybe the first resource for a lot of people. Um, but going back to, you know, quickly that, uh, Caitlyn Jenner documentary on Netflix, again, called undone her son, um, is interviewed. The Kardashians don't do an interview, but her son does with his, during his Bruce's first marriage. Right. Um, and, he talked about uh, when because because Caitlin wanted to do to uh, begin the transition right. after the Olympics and then decided not to. And that's when Bruce married Chris and they, you know, had, you know, and he was part of the Kardashian family. But right. between his first his two, two or Bruce's two marriages. Um, the transition. And so he talked to his first wife and his son about the transition. And so the son said he was in elementary school at the time. And it's something I would have never thought about. And he said that he was scared. And because he thought that that meant that his dad was going to, was going to disappear. And this new person was going to be somebody completely different that he would not have a relationship with. So as a little child, he thought that meant you're leaving me. And so in my mind, I thought, Again, Pete, you know, if you don't understand what's going on, that this is the same person, the problem is you're trying to get the person to be their authentic self, right. you know, and they're not disappearing. They're actually going to be better than, you know, because they're going to be happier. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's just when you talk about that, it's like I, the the bravery you have to go through, not only for yourself, but for the these relationships right. is so admirable. Well, thank you. I, I'll, I'll share a really brief story with you. A few years ago, um, I moved out of the home in 2010 and began my transition. And a few years ago, my ex-wife called me and she said, I need to let you know something that happened the other day. And I said, okay. And she said, I was walking upstairs and I looked down the hall when I got to the top of the stairs and I looked in uh, our, son's, our son's room and our son was in his room on his bed doing some something underneath the bed. And she walked in his room and said, so and so what are you doing and he said and he, he kind of felt like he got caught he said nothing i'm not doing anything she said really you know what what are you doing and she persisted and he finally relented and reached under the bed and he pulled out photos of me pre-transition and he said i'm just wanting to not forget what it used to look like and these are some of the realities that family members go through as they're going through the, their own grieving process around an individual who is transitioning in the family, whether it's a, a child, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a parent, right? And I'll never forget the first time that my youngest daughter met me back in 2000, I think it was 2012, 2013, we actually went out for dinner. And through the course of the evening, she looked at me and she said, I just have to tell you, I have never seen you happier and more at peace than I have right now. And, and when I heard her say that, it just struck a chord in me because it, I realized at that moment that I can only be the best parent that I can be when I'm being honest with myself and with honest with them. And right. So but being honest with myself and being honest with them was a difficult journey for us to travel. But hopefully through my career courageous steps that I've taken that I'm inspiration to my kids and those who who know me who knew me pre-transition 
and having navigated all the things that we've navigated, that they understand that 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 authenticity is only is the only option of how you live your life. You know, I oftentimes encourage folks to shift the perspective of authenticity and look at, okay, what if you are what if you live your life inauthentic? What does that mean for you? And what I've learned is that every step, inauthentic step we take, we get further and further away from our capacity as human beings. It's like getting into debt. You can get into debt real quick, but getting out of debt takes you years. And so for every inauthentic step we take, we get more in debt and we we risk damaging relationships that people thought were built on a certain context only to find out that, you know, there was something uh, going on in the background that they weren't being honest about. Mm-hmm. But those inauthentic steps are because you're living under this culture of pressure to choose your gender before you're even born. I, I, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how can we as a greater society start to embrace more difference um, and celebrate more difference? Melissa and I have talked about that on the Frenzy podcast before. Is you know, let's let's not pretend we're all the same. Let's celebrate how different we all are. And when it comes to this space of gender, I mean, when I was pregnant, it was the first thing people asked me, what are you having? Is it exactly. a boy or a girl? Right? Yes. So so what what are some of your ideas around how do we change the conversation just in our society yes. in general? I agree. And I just, when my son was born and he was a baby and he was bald and he, and no, you couldn't tell. He's just a squishy little thing. And I had family family member who said, oh, he's all boy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) I second what she's asking. Yeah. Here's the question. I I, I appreciate that you both have brought that question up because there, there is a cultural assumption that many people assume, and that is a, an assumption that is revealed in that one question. Are you having a boy or a girl? Because think about it. They're asking that question based on a sonogram, which is looking for a particular piece of anatomy or lack you of. You can say right? penis. You can say penis. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. so it's like, okay, we're defining gender based on biological sex. And so what is now emerging over the last 10 10 to 20 years as medical and mental health care providers are working with transgender nonconforming and non-binary individuals is there is something even more compelling that determines our gender. And that is our gender identity. And gender identity is defined by that which we know all of us today, whether we're trans, cis, non-binary, However, however we identify, you know, who we know ourselves to be on the inside, whether it's male, female, a combination of both, or maybe neither. And one of the most uh, helpful uh, graphics that we use in our Trans 101 cultural competency training that we share with our clients is a diagram of the genderbred person. And if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the genderbred person, I encourage you to Google it because what the genderbred person diagram shows us, how we're showing up as humanity, and it shows four aspects of gender. Gender identity is an aspect, gender expression, how we express our gender on the outside with hairstyles, the clothes we wear, the accessories, vocal inflection and mannerisms 
our biological sex. You know, while sex is determined between the legs, gender is determined between the ears. And then finally, sexual orientation. So these are four aspects of gender that we all have as human beings. And these aspects of gender exist on continuums as where any one of us falls on each of those four very different and distinct continuums. So this diagram helps us understand that gender is a whole lot more complex than perhaps many of us were raised to believe. And this is why many trans individuals don't come out until later in life, although most of us have known that there was something different about us at a very young age. Well, uh, yes, and I think that if you are non-trans, straight, then you have... Gender, okay, yes. cisgender straight. Uh, right. and I, I'm even learning. So cisgender. I was going to say, yes. we, can we do a vocabulary lesson? Yes, I'm not go kidding. ahead. Because I think that in your world of this teaching that you do with transformation journeys, all these words are very um, commonplace. But I think for the average person, we're afraid to ask, what does that mean? So can you go through all of them for us? I, I would love this. And Melissa, we need to create an infographic for it, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> right. That's right. So I, and I appreciate that because here's the thing, you know, one, one thing that we've learned, one reality that we've learned, learned in working with our clients is that it's like learning a new language. And yes. until you feel comfortable with the language and understand the terms and definitions, you're not going to feel empowered. You're going to feel like I'm going to make a mistake. Yes. As a result right. of fearing making a mistake, I'm not going to say anything. And that is just as disrespectful as making a mistake. So uh, this is a safe space, right? Absolutely. So, a couple of definitions. Transgender describes individuals like myself whose gender identities, who I know myself to be on the inside, does not match the sex, the biological sex, that I was assigned at birth. So trans is a Latin prefix for across. So my gender identity is across from the biological sex that I was assigned at birth, okay? Mm -hmm. Cisgender, conversely, describes individuals whose gender identities do match the sex that they were assigned at birth. So if you were, if you were assigned female at birth and you identify as a female, you're a cisgender female. Right. If you're assigned male at birth and you assign and you identify as male, you're a cisgender male. So, again, cis is a Latin prefix for the same side as. So cisgender individuals, gender identities, who they know themselves to be, is on the same side as the gender that they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. Non-binary describes individuals whose gender identities are neither male nor female or a combination of both. And there are a number of different non-binary uh, gender identities that individuals can identify as. And so you have individuals that, are, that identify as gender fluid. And these are individuals who are comfortable moving back and forth between a male gender expression and a female gender expression at different times, or perhaps a combination of both. That's gender fluid non-binary individuals. Agender individuals are identify are individuals who identify as neither male nor female. So they're genderless, right? So those are just a few non-binary gender identities. Uh, sexual orientation 
is who we're attracted to romantically, physically, and emotionally. And again, sexual orientation and gender identity, completely different spectrum. So, you know, the sexual orientations are straight, gay, pansexual. This is an individual who is attracted to all genders. Uh, Bisexual describes a sexual orientation for individuals who are attracted to two genders. So those are just a few uh, terms and definitions. And I, and, and I would want to make sure that if you want to learn more, I invite you to re- visit our resources page on our website. It has a lot of good information there, a lot of good videos, a lot of good content that could help, you know, position you to be a good advocate for the transgender nonconforming and non-binary community. You know, and again, thank you we, so much. That absolutely. Was, that's so helpful. And it's so yes. nice to have you. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but dumb it down because that's, it really is what we need to have the words and the language to use around it so that we can be inclusive and respectful and just do the right thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. For, for those who are cisgender straight, I think that there has not been as much of that self-reflected face the music by yourself Mm -hmm. you're worried that your family is going to reject you you're worried society is going to reject you you're worried religion is going to reject you like and so and and that's not an insult but i do think that um for those who are confused why do we have to have all this why are there so many letters in that you know lgbt plus because a lot of times we use lgbtq plus because there's so many things to add uh, is because goes back to exactly what Gabrielle was talking about is authenticity, right? Is to live and whatever it takes to help you identify with somebody else and not feel alone. I'm all for it. So now let's reverse the roles from adults to children. So Jen and I have three young children between the two of us. I made it sound like we're a couple. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's we're say, soul sisters, but not married. Right. Um, and so you know, as a parent, as a grandparent who may be listening, how, you know, what is it that we can do to help these children if one of our children is someone who is dealing with gender identity issues? How would we recognize it and how can we help? Well, um, I guess I would start by saying, listen to your child, because your child is going to be, is, is if they're provided a space to be honest with who they are, who they know themselves to be, the child is not confused about their gender identity and children are coming out at younger ages. And as long as, you know, there are households, there are families, spaces in the families that provide a space for children to explore their gender, you know, and this doesn't mean that an individual who may have uh, some uh, compel, compulsion to um, explore their gender that they may they may not be trans. They just need to explore it just to understand what it looks like for them. But just to allow a space for them to explore this allows them to, to own it and to own whatever works for them, right? Um, and also know that you're not alone. You know, I think a lot of times we hear parents share this sense of overwhelm, being overwhelmed. And, you know, uh, I don't even know where to turn. I I don't know anything about this. Know that you're not alone. There are resources available, PFLAG, Trevor Project, 
uh, these are a lot of organizations that you can plug into to find other parents who are navigating these journeys that perhaps may be similar to yours. A quick follow-up. So yeah, PFLAG, it, I cry every time at Pride when they pass by because again, Absolutely. this is the family members of people, you know, who are in these categories um, and they're the, you know, they're the families that a lot of people wish they had because so many people get rejected by their own families. And so, um, you know, it, it, something you mentioned, you know, like I also caution from a lesbian standpoint that when people talk about, oh, do you got a boyfriend at school? Do you got a girlfriend at school? Like right. the fact that you don't have inclusive language when you talk to these children is right. bothersome to me because it, you don't understand what you're doing to a child who may be gay. Right. Um, so is there any kind of language that we can also include, Gabrielle, to make sure that if our child ends up being trans and we are not recognizing it, how can we be inclusive in our conversation with our children? Use their pronouns. Use their correct pronouns use the name that they want to to use to for you to use to call them you know when you when when people are misgendered or mispronounced it's like a death by a thousand paper cuts right mm. it just it just you know it's it's a microaggression after microaggression after microaggression and after time this this drives the child to look for support outside of the home and the, the, this is the last thing that I, I trust that caring parents really want is for their child to look for support outside of their own home. So understand that, you know, use their pronouns. And if an individual, if your child is non-binary, don't push back on using they, them, and theirs. It is going to be uncomfortable using something other than mm -hmm. he or she for your child. But if you're non-binary child, wants you to use they, them, and theirs, then you get used to it. And, you know, you can practice using they, them, and theirs. Understand that there's going to be mistakes made. I mean, often, often akin using pronouns to, you know, for 20 years, you had the trash can underneath your sink, and one day you decided to use move it to the pantry. When you, after doing that, when you had to throw something away, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the sink until you... You finally reprogram right. the trash cans in the pantry, right? It's no different in using new pronouns for your child. But once you use those new pronouns, I have heard story after story after story of a, a, a young trans individual sharing the impact of when their parent used their correct name and their pronouns for them. Oh, that's incredible. What about in organizations? Because that's some of the work you do too, teaching businesses, companies, groups, how to learn about being inclusive. Yeah. Well, you know, in the work that we do, we've recognized that there are two tracks to this work. One track is personal cultural competency, and another track is organizational cultural competency. And for an employer to set themselves up at that, as that elusive employer of choice for the LGBTQ community, right? So we're very mindful about meeting our clients where they are because our clients are at different places on this journey of creating that inclusive culture. Um, but in addition to creating that personal cultural competency for all of the employees within an organization, an org organization needs to be mindful of, you know, the business case reasons and the best practices that organizations are actually leaning into to create them to to create that inclusive culture you know policies around 
dress codes. You know, are your dress codes inclusive for not only binary trans individuals, though that is trans individuals like myself who transition from male to female and female to male, but are your dress codes inclusive for non-binary individuals who may identify as some combination of both of male or female, right? Uh, do you have inclusive facilities in your workplace? Do you have policies around how, the, how these facilities are being used by everyone in your, in your workplace? You know, are your talent acquisition protocols and practices uh, set up to, to meet gender diverse individuals where they are? You know, if you're at a job fair, an LGBTQ job fair, and you have a job applicant who is gender diverse, who perhaps may not have fully aligned legal documents. In other words, they may be presenting female with their gender expression, but may have misaligned legal documents with an M on their driver's license. How do you navigate that conversation in a respectful way, right? Mm -hmm. These are just some of the best practices that we talk about, but it's not just how you show up in the organization that's important. It's also how you show up outside the four walls of your organization that really sends a message to the community that you are perhaps an employer of choice for them. So are you showing up at your local pride uh, local pride celebrations? Are you a member of your local LGBTQ chamber of commerce? Are you showing up in the spaces that we live, right? So if I see an organization showing up in those spaces, then I'm going to stand up and take notice and say, okay, perhaps this is an organization for me to pursue. I'm sometimes disturbed by, uh, and we live in, you know, Metro Atlanta. Um, you know, we have some prestigious private schools in the community, but I always cringe when I see pictures of the uniforms um, at these schools because I wonder for those kids who don't want to wear their the gender-specified uniform for them, you know, so do you have a resource? Because I've been wanting to write letters. So do you have a resource or suggestions or, you know, how does someone like me who is an activist at heart want to reach out to these schools and say, have you ever thought about the fact that some of the girls may want to wear the ties and some of the boys may want to wear the dresses? And yeah. how do you make that okay? Yeah, absolutely. This is the recommendation we share with our audience, our clients. If you want to make your gender, gender uh, your dress codes more inclusive for everyone, you make them less gender specific and more attire specific. So rather than saying when men wear ties, you say when ties are worn. That way an individual who may identify as androgynous, who has more of a, um, who may have a combination of male and female or masculine and feminine gender expression, they could wear a tie and perhaps wear some lipstick, right? But that, that way, that individual feels like uh, they see themselves in your dress code. So make it less gender specific and more attire specific. Because, Jen, the activists, I'm always a walk the walk. Everybody can talk a good game about how oh, hey, it's 2021 and we're going to be inclusive. And we love our gay and lesbian and trans brothers and sisters and pansexual and bisexual. And, you know, and we love everybody. Do you? Then walk the walk. And so Absolutely. every time I see every time I see that stuff, I'm like, this is old fashioned. Why are you still doing this? Right. right. And I think that bringing it up is important because I'm guessing, Melissa, whoever's receiving that letter has not even considered it Correct. as offensive, has not even thought about what impact it could make. And bringing it to their attention is the only way they'll know to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will tell you that making an individual use a gender designated 
uh, uniform is like making them use the wrong restroom. There is no difference in that. Okay, so let's put this uh, let's put this on the on the on the level playing field that it should be on. Right. These that is a microaggression, making them use a, a, a restroom that it doesn't align with their gender identity and gender expression. That is a microaggression. Some of the things we're doing don't apply anymore. And there and it's not being a weak culture to mm. or, you know, or overly sensitive culture to make sure that our individuals in our society are thriving as in, you know, I, I don't understand why people, you know, there are those who I'm sure you have faced and I have faced who don't understand why we have to do anything different than what's been done because it's benefited them. And I don't know why they feel like this won't benefit them as well. Well, in my opinion, this is why it's because their lived experience is different from mine. And they look at their lived experience, that heteronormative lived experience that you were mentioning earlier, Melissa, they look at that as the normal lived experience. But what they're what they're missing is that, I mean, think about it. People pay money to go to the Georgia Aquarium. People pay money to go to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Why? To look at the diversity in our world, to look at the diversity in our universe. Why can we not see humanity in the same way? That's a great point. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like true. when you get courageous enough to sit down across the table from a gender diverse individual, you are going to realize that, oh my God, we have more in common than not. Absolutely. And even though my lived experience may be different from yours, it doesn't make me any less human than you, right? We are just another expression of the beautiful uh, facet of the human experience. So beautiful. I have learned so much from you, Gabrielle. Thank you so much. I want everybody to follow your journey, read your book, and learn about what you're doing in the community, transformationaljourneysww.com. And of course, we're going to link to all of this in the show notes. You can follow Gabrielle dot Claiborne on Instagram as well and find her on Facebook. Where else? We're talking everywhere, Twitter. Um, So you can learn and follow more about her story. And I encourage you to go and read her book as well. It's called Embrace Your Truth, A Journey of Authenticity. You're not gone yet though, Gabrielle. So excited. (laughs) Yes. This has been transformational. Yeah. Information. I love it. You're still in the hot seat though. Okay. Okay. Yes, you are. Because with every interview, we do what's called the frenzy five. And Ooh. so it's just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I am ready. ready. Okay, here we go, love. All right. Where is your cozy, happy place? Beach. Uh, what's your favorite framed thing in your home? Framed thing in my home. A picture of me and my daughter. Oh. What is your most memorable birthday? 60 last year and any any specifics was a surprise was it i know i'm not supposed to do follow-up questions no no i appreciate you developing (laughs) uh you know it was probably that i i I don't know there was just this apprehension of six zero right yeah and just knowing that i i navigated six zero and i'm still here and i'm actually in I'm with every day that I'm showing up in this world, I'm actually stepping more into my legacy and just understanding that impact of legacy just kind of helps gave me a whole new perspective on life. 
Same. I'm glad I asked a follow-up so question. So cool. I know. Good follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is a daily routine or ritual that you stick to? Oh, wow. I've got so many. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, but the most meaningful one is um, looking at myself in the mirror when I wake up and saying, I love you, Gabrielle. Oh, oh, a lot of cis women could, uh, could learn from that. All right. And what fashion trend did you jump on? It could be any era, any time. Uh, let's say fashion trend. Lord. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about that one a minute. Fashion trend that I jumped on. Um, I haven't had but 10 years to live authentically. <laughs> authentic, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember fashion trend. All right. Let, well, you know what? Let me adjust the question for you okay. since you have a unique experience from our other guest. What is the first fashion trend that you were excited to jump on when you were your authentic self? What's the first, what's the first piece of clothing you bought? No, authentic trend was going blonde, girl. Going blonde, all right. Yes, going go. blonde. I love it. See, that's <laughs> it. No, that was totally, that was a destination for me. That's it. What a girl. We got three blondes here. I'm with you. I, just I, I love it. I know. I think we're, oh, I'm going to stay blonde forever, I feel like. <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I love it. Yeah, there's a little bit. There's it. a little bit of power in being a blonde. I'm not gonna lie. See, there, <laughs> you all are inspiring me. You know it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining yes. the frenzy, for offering us your friendship. We're just so appreciative. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of today's conversation. Just awesome. Thanks so much, Gabrielle. Talk to you soon. So, Melissa Carter, I can't even count the ways that I have learned new things from Gabrielle. Oh my gosh, what an eye-opening conversation. Well, and I'm, I appreciate her strength to be able to be a spokesperson for the trans community. Um, and like I said, just because LGBTQ has the L, which represents me as a lesbian, and the T that represents her as transgender, you know, there's so many different... It, we We're we don't have the same issues in our lives. Right. And so what totally I love different. Yeah. And what I love about our community is the fact that we embrace each other of differences. I mean, the LGBTQ community to me is like a mentor organization for everybody because we've brought people from different backgrounds, different races, different issues. And we political, we're politically active together as one unit. It still doesn't mean I understand. And so, I mean, even today, Having been exposed to the trans community for a long time, Gabrielle still educated me today because we all we all are are coachable into new things, into new people. So I appreciate her even more than I did before. Yes. And, you know, I was trying to think about it. I don't know that I've ever had that intimate of a conversation with a trans person before mm -hmm. that interview. So I'm just so grateful to have that one-on-one -on -one experience. I think, like she said, we understand one another better as humans when we just open up these conversations. And I appreciated her letting me be kind of dumb about some of the terms and saying, you know, maybe I'm not as up to speed as I, as I want to be or need to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I just appreciate that level of understanding because Melissa, here's the difference. I can understand what being attracted to another person feels like, right? So mm -hmm. I can have that same understanding for you being attracted to a woman as I am being attracted to a man because I have those feelings of attraction 
those feelings right. of desire, right? I understand right. what that looks like. And I can see, oh, it's different for her. She's attracted to women. Easy for me to understand. Now, I have not had the same experience as Gabrielle of feeling like I was not born in the right body for yeah. the gender identity that I feel is most me. I've never had that experience. So I really appreciated her explaining how she felt as a child. That mm -hmm. changed me forever. Well, and I also think too, when as a lesbian, when people um, have criticized the gay community for, uh, you know, like, uh, like we chose this life, you know, again, that idea of choice, which, you know, everybody has choice, but there are certain things that you are born with and born as, and you have to use the tools you're given and you have choices within that. And so, you know, for me, it's like, well, why would any in the world, would anybody choose to face a life of rejection? Because again, we, as we talked in our interview True. with Gabrielle, it's about family rejection, the worst uh, you know, there's a charity that I worked with in the past who had a relationship with the Atlanta Police Department, knowing that if the Atlanta Police Department came upon these children on the street who had been kicked out of their house for being gay, they knew where to take them to this charity because they had housing for them. So to have to have to have housing consistent enough so that the Atlanta yeah. police department knew, okay, well, if I pick up a gay kid, I know where to take them because these kids are having to live on the streets because their parents are so disgusted by them. So the same with the transgender community, they go through a lot more, a lot more expense, a lot more physical, you know, endurement and pain and transition. Plus on top of that, the rejection of society and their family like, why would you choose that? So to me, like, even when I've heard people being critical of transgender in the past, it's been, but why would they go to that much effort if this wasn't real, if this wasn't mm -hmm. a real need in order to be authentic? And so, I mean, it, again, I think people just need to understand, you know, like we <laughs> preach here on the frenzy, difference is good. Yeah. It's difference great. is good. And we have, and, and even regardless of where you come from and how you've been raised, to be part of the frenzy means, okay, you know what, as women, whether it's cis women or trans women, we're all women and we all have these same issues. And even we may have different issues because like I said with Gabrielle, like I want to go deeper into the conversation about what it's like to be a businessman as opposed to a businesswoman from a cultural standpoint, right? Oh my gosh. Where, so much interesting yes, conversation there. Where Gabrielle could be like, okay, tell me what it was like to go through puberty as a cis girl, you know, like there's, so that we have differences, but it's okay. We're still women. And so right. that's, that's what we're about is just, we, and I think it's like, that. if we can tap into the feeling, right? So when she was explaining that feeling of being a child and feeling like she was in the wrong place or in the wrong body, you can apply that to your own life, the connection to a feeling where you knew you didn't belong. You knew something wasn't right. You had an intuition that just felt off about something you. And so, so, you know, connect that same feeling to someone else to lead you to acceptance and understanding. Love that. You're exactly right. Cause we've all had that feeling before. Right. Um, and to me, sometimes maybe that's what life's about is life purposely puts us in situations where we don't feel like we belong. And the purpose of life is to, to clamor and learn and grow wise to how we can actually be a part of a collective and be 
part of, you know, just this joint effort. I don't know. You know, the older I get, the more that's what I think. I think like mm-hmm. in the, at the end of the day, nobody wants to be lonely. That's it. That's a, that's a basic human, simple thing is we're not meant to be alone. And when you're alone, it's the worst feeling in the world. And so whatever that looks like for you, I think you're brilliant in that, Jen, is the the fact, yes, tap into the understanding is nobody deserves to be alone, regardless of who they are and what their background is. Yeah. And that's why we always encourage everybody to share their own story, because can you imagine how brave Gabrielle had to be to share her truth? Absolutely. And continues to do so. Can you imagine the courage that that took? Yeah. I, I'm not nearly as courageous as her. Uh, God knew that. Right. And, and, and I just, it's not, it's not, I I take that. I I don't agree with that. I think that I believe that everybody has the courage to do it. Everybody has the courage to do that, but it's, I think that she is so excited to be her authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference. It's infectious, isn't it? I think that if you are living the life you need to be living, regardless of who you are, then you're more apt to share it and tell it. And that's the, that's also, I think the difference too is, um, you know, for people like Gabrielle, for people like me, anybody that's had to live an extended period of time in hiding, there is a, such a relief to come out that you don't care what people say. I didn't care what people said when I came out. I didn't care about the criticism because I knew better. And I knew the difference of feeling like I had to pretend to be straight and I, that I was authentically myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just the same with her is the same. What my family said, my mother saw how happy I was and her family saw how happy and that's all you want for people. So again, yes, Jen, you have the ability to do it because you're brave in so many different ways and you're brave on behalf of your daughter and you're brave in speaking out things in your life. And I just think if everybody just understood you're, it's like you said, your story matters. Your story, we're not just saying that to say, it's not just a line we came up with to say, hey, this is a good branding line. We mean it. Right. Your story matters. And it's matters. if it's authentic, then tell it. And if there is a friend of yours who would enjoy this episode of The Friends, and we ask you to share this important conversation. So an Apple podcast, that's where most of you listen to the show. Uh, and so if you are new to the show, on Apple podcast, you go in there and then you look for three dots at the top right corner of our podcast. So when you're listening, you see those three dots, you click on them, you drop down menu comes up and you select share episode, then select the green messages option and you can text it to a friend. Okay. It sounds simpler than it is me explaining it. And you can always contact Jen and I, Melissa at the frenzy.com, Jen at the frenzy.com. If you have any confusion on how to get access to us, because we want you to listen. Okay, let's grab a question out of the You Don't Know My Life box. Feel free to steal these questions, use them on Facebook, take them to dinner with your friends. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So speak, it made me think of Gabrielle talking about how when she saw herself in the mirror and introduced, you know, and that the fact that she just loves how she looks and feels now. So what was your most glamorous night? Because that's how I feel like she may have thought like, I am finally who I am. So when you're glamorous, you feel like, you know, I am, I'm it, I'm here. I have arrived and I look good. So what's your most glamorous night, Jen Hobby? It was attending the Grammy Awards and I got to attend with my husband, Grant, and we got super dressed up and 
it was a magical night. I just remember, uh, you know, feeling like my makeup looked just right and my dress and my heels looked just right. And, um, and we had a great time. I think I was pregnant at the time, actually. And I was one of those strange women who loved being pregnant. Oh, I did, that's great. I did not love the recovery from C-sections. That's where I was miserable, <laughs> but I loved being pregnant. I don't know. There was something about it just like made me feel so good. And I just, I felt like my skin looked good and my hair looked good and <laughs> everything just like felt voluptuous, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I would say the night that we got to attend the Grammy Awards in Los Angeles. And I think just being in Los Angeles makes you feel fancy anyway. That's true. And I How think, about you? That, well, I was going to say that it was at Lauren or Reese that you were pregnant with because she gets to say that she got to go to the Grammys. I think. I know I, it has to be, this is how bad my memory is now <laughs> after two kids and lots of lack of sleep. Um, I think it was with Lauren because it no, would have been harder to travel out there no, with a baby just, already at home. So I'm pretty stop sure that. it was stop that. with Lauren. No, you know what? Just say you don't remember. So when they ask you, and that way they both can say they went to the Grammys. That's a good thing sometimes okay. when you can't remember yeah. which child it was. We'll just include both. Okay. Um, for me, both. for me, I uh, had the honor of receiving a GLAAD award. And so it was a very glamorous night. So I had the red power, red strapless yes, dress. Girl. I had the hair up very fancy, um, had the bling jewelry on. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, that was a great meaningful night because it was, uh, I've had the pleasure of winning awards, several awards that to me, for some reason was, had um, a lot of, I don't know, depth to it because I, it was a big award. And so it was, again, celebrating me telling my story, basically. Yeah. And so, so it was a good night. What does the GLAAD Awards do? Um, uh the GLAD Awards is basically for gay and lesbian, for LGBT community. It's a very um, active political organization. Um, GLAD Awards usually attract big celebrities. Um, and so this was an event that happened in Atlanta. They have them in every city. Uh, Atlanta, you know, where we live, is one of the largest, you know, LGBTQ communities in the nation. Um, and so they just, they just help not only, uh, you know, they not only help gays and lesbians to be able to see themselves on television and in movies and they help representation, but they also kind of are a watchdog to make sure that representation is not a farce, you know, that gays and lesbians are represented well. So they usually come out with a report every year of how many gays and lesbians and transgenders are represented in media. Uh, and, you know, and you, you'd be surprised at how few those numbers are. And so anyway, they do a great job uh, in helping empower the gay community, but also educate the straight community. Awesome. Love it. All right. Jen Hobby has this week's Mirror Mantra. Okay. After our conversation with Gabrielle, I have been thinking about acceptance comes before understanding. Okay. So you can accept and love everyone before you can understand them. Mm. It can mm -hmm. be in where you don't have to understand someone to accept them. Does that make sense? So here's yes. your mirror mantra. I want you to look in the mirror at some point this week and say, I will not be quick to judge. I will be quick to accept. Then try to understand. We, I love that. We are all humans. So it's, I will not be quick to judge. I will be quick to accept and then try to understand. I love that. Nice job, Jen Hobby. 
All right, listen, I want you to check out the Frenzies YouTube channel. We are we tape, uh, you know, all of uh, we videotape, I should say, all of our podcasts. And so you get to see us and all of our expressions and all of our goofs sometimes. Sometimes the bloopers make it into the YouTube uh, channel. <laughs> uh, we have ex videos, extended interviews sometimes with guests. And so you get extra content on YouTube. And we ask you also to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well because we don't have a vanity uh, address yet. So you have to go to YouTube and search for The Frenzy. And if enough of you subscribe, then we get to have our own little vanity website which would be like you know youtube slash the frenzy that's what we're that's our goal so here. cool that's our goal <laughs> yes and follow the frenzy on instagram if you want to share about a show that really you know meant a lot to you you can screen grab the podcast and then tag us so we can repost it to thank you the Frenzy is hosted and produced by Melissa Carter. I heard she's pretty awesome. And Jen Hobby. <laughs> sound editing by Bo Johnson. Jen Hobby's awesome, too. Original soundtrack <laughs> produced by Tammy Hurt from Placement Music, written and recorded by Mark Daniels. The Frenzy celebrates friendships over 40. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know it is in short supply, so just know that we appreciate you and we love your friendship. So until next week, trust your guts, share your story, and stop, stop lying, lying about, about your age. age. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>